Hey, everybody. Welcome to Yard Sign. Again, the most important and relevant podcast in politics. I'm your host, as always, Johnny Torres. Appreciate y'all for watching. If it sounds a little different, looks a little different, well, uh, yeah, we are actually broadcasting live from, uh, whoops, my bad. Hit the wrong button over here. All right, we are actually coming to you live from uh, the Barrymore Hotel in downtown Tampa, uh, where the Tampa Bay Young Republicans are going to be having their, uh, I guess what you could consider their annual meeting. They'll be having their elections. Uh, they're going to be having uh, special guests, uh, CNN whistleblower uh, that you may have seen in Project Veritas. So it's going to be a very big meeting, and, uh, and we're going to be here uh, not only uh, talking about today's news, but also giving you a little bit of a, a rundown as to what to expect in today's meeting. We may even record tonight's speaker uh, and post it later on for those of you who are interested, uh, again, in hearing about uh, what we already know, which is basically that CNN is incredibly biased. Uh, towards Republicans and conservatives. Uh, so uh, let's go ahead and do a quick rundown of today's topics. Uh, let's see, looking over at the uh, topic board, let's see, impeachment. We've got, of course, a lot of movement on that lately as uh, it's now over on the Senate side. Uh, then we've got the damn primary, uh, the coronavirus outbreak in China. We're going to talk about that. National March for Life making big news this year. Uh, we'll talk about why, and of course, Kobe Bryant, um, who we uh, lost over the weekend. Uh, sanctuary counties, all right? That's a Second Amendment issue, uh, pretty widespread across Florida already. And uh, whether or not Hillsborough is going to end up on that map, we'll talk about that. And, uh, and then, of course, like I said, a little preview of the TBR meeting we'll have tonight. So let's go over real quick to the big table. And joining me, well, a little bit of a short staff today because we're again uh, about an hour earlier than usual. But uh, uh, there on the left, we got Anibal Cabrera. How you doing? I'm doing great. Great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll work so, on the English later. It's a little different. <laughs> I apologize. English is my first uh, first language. I apologize for that. Yeah, and then Chris Kylan, who, uh, again, joining us uh, now. This makes, what, Thanks two weeks in a row? Me. Two in a row. Yeah, that's a, exciting. Going for, a, going for a win streak. Going <laughs> to go for the hat trick next week? All about it. Yeah, all right. Well, <laughs> let's see. See, does this thing, uh, no, that's not working yet. Um, so, oh, there we go. Oh, okay. There we go. We can do it that way. <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much for watching. Again, we're going to open up uh, today's show with the uh, impeachment. Of course, we've heard uh, from Adam Schiff, who apparently is still talking, um, you know, <laughs> after about uh, 72 hours now. I mean, the guy just uh, apparently just loves the sound of his own voice. Um, not unlike myself, but uh, of course, I'm not also in Congress and uh, up there trying to make a case uh, about why all this is uh, uh, just a waste of everybody's time. Super um, somber. Yeah, exactly. And uh, they're trying to be all serious about it. But in the meantime, in the, you know, they, what, what's, what I've enjoyed about this, guys, is been watching the ebb and flow of emotion from the Democrats, uh, both the, getting excited, right, because they're, they're trying to impeach the president here, and then the horror that this is not really turning out the way that uh, they had hoped. Uh, and, and so, uh, you know, we've been hearing a lot of uh, great feedback about the president's defense team. Uh, of course, uh, names that we're familiar with, uh, Jordan Sekulow, who's a big conservative, uh, also podcaster, broadcaster, uh, uh, and, uh, and then Legal Mind, uh, he's on that defense team, and Ken Starr. Uh, now, Chris, I know you've been uh, watching these a little closer than I've had the chance to. What's been your take on this? I haven't watched Ken Starr, but what I've seen is a lot of intellectual inconsistencies um, regarding uh, the law, regarding what's wrong and right. Um, so 
I've seen uh, Chuck Schumer bring up that Trump is threatening the rule of law. Um, the thing is, when you look into that, abuse of power and <laughs> obstruction of Congress are not that straight law. It's not written anywhere in the Constitution, in our body of law. Um, so there's a little bit of inconsistency there. Uh, you have Adam Schiff saying, we can't trust the president to do what's right for this country. Yet we have our, our president looking into misdeeds by our former leaders. Uh, I'm failing to see a whole lot of a whole lot of words or principles of substance in, in the entire thing. I'll let you go for a minute and I have spent so much time that I can no longer get back in my life watching <laughs> the Democratic congressional uh, body that is supposed to be representing the House and their legal uh, expertise blubber all over television and just continually read off of their note cards and just say the most in inappropriate things to the jurors that you would assume that they should be considered the senators. They're offending the senators, they're, they're talking about putting their heads on a spike if they don't vote a certain way, to the point to where the Supreme Court Justice uh, Robert had to actually get involved and make a comment and say, we're going to need to scale this back a little bit because it's inappropriate. Now, I never thought I would see demeanor come back to the, the Senate floor, but I guess it's, it's starting to come that way. There'll be no petty fucking in these chambers. No petty. I, I didn't know what that was for a second, and so I had to Google it. Do not look up images. You get the wrong, completely the wrong thing. But I feel it's something that people were not realizing that... I don't feel that the Democrats, when they were putting up their case, is arguing for, the, for them to vote in their way. I feel that they were just going for the short clips, for them to be, they were more or less talking to their base, they were not talking to the Democrat senators or the Republican senators, if anything, they were making them more upset. So I truly feel that it was it's a complete waste of time. And now we have, now it's on the other foot. Now it's the, the, the president's team gonna give their rebuff of, the, of what really are the facts and what's going on. And from what I understand and from what I've read and heard this last day, I feel that they're going to be focusing on the articles, which are the articles of impeachment that the, that the House did uh, finally give up to the House or to the Senate, which you'll see at the end don't don't amount to anything. You cannot impeach a president for uh, what is it? Something of Congress and obstruction of Congress they, it, and abuse of power. Technically, it's not obstruction of, of Congress because Congress never submitted subpoenas to the witnesses, and the witnesses never then went and pushed back to the to the courts. So there that are, technically is not. Um, that's not that, that one. And then the other one is contempt of Congress and contempt of... Oh my gosh. Ab abusive power is the other article. We do that every day. So <laughs> it's not that I don't feel that it's that big of a deal. And also, really what we're talking about, this trial is about policy, a disagreement on policy, international policy. Uh, at the end of the day, the president was trying to figure out a way to reduce the monetary involvement that the, that the U.S. is contributing to all these other countries, and Democrats got upset about it. This is the least sexiest thing you could have someone impeached for, was because they had a contradicting idea when it came to Ukraine. Okay, but we've been hearing from both sides on this now. Um, and again, the president's legal uh, team doing a pretty good job. Of course, Schiff, uh, I think, got what he wanted, which is basically a lot of, a lot of kudos, a lot of attention you know, for, for his speech. Um, 
you don't see a lot of fireworks coming out of this. Um, I think that continues to play for the president, being that there's no major kind of groundbreaking moment in all this. I think people are starting to forget this is even going on. Um, is, is this just going to make it a bigger dud for the Democrats? Or as we're showing, I mean, there's polls showing right now that among independents, um, you know, they, they actually don't care much about this impeachment either. And it's not really swaying them one way or the other. So as far as the defense, uh, I, I've watched the entirety of yesterday's defense um, arguments and the entirety of today's defense arguments. From what I saw, uh, I think um, Cipollone, his emphasis was on the fact that the Ukraine aid wasn't being withheld due to the political uh, matters. It was being withheld due to kind of a pressure to apply to the European Union to have them contribute their fair share. I mean, if you think about it, European Union is tied a lot closer to Ukraine than the United States is. And that was actually part of the phone call with Zelensky. Uh, Zelensky was agreeing with President Trump that Germany, France, all of the entire European Union should be contributing more towards their defense since they're closer to home. Um, what are your what's your take on that? I mean, do you think that's a, a valid defense that this is more of a factor than the political aspect? Of it, it is a valid defense. You were have if you read the transcripts, which we did, you saw that President Trump was talking about the 2016 uh, in regards to any form of meddling, and at the end of the day, that he wanted them to do the right thing, do the right thing, not for me, for us, do the right thing, which was um, counterbalance their corruption allegations that were are contributing to why we were holding funds back. And two, uh, Ukraine is not the first country that Trump has done this to. Absolutely. Where we're holding back money from, for again, we're holding back our money to give to them. Like, I don't understand why this is such a big deal. At the end, of, and, and that's what builds into the larger concept of this is more of like, a, like a, a neocon situation where it's those people that the only part of their job is to make sure that other countries get our money when it comes to foreign aid. And that's what we're seeing right now, that people are upset that you touch the sacred pig of DC, which was giving money to foreign countries, which is, again, not a winning argument for Democrats. How on earth are they going to put this in the forefront when they can't even keep a news cycle anymore? Because it's not, no one cares. No one cares. Yeah, this isn't the first time. There's San Salvador, Guatemala, yes. South Korea. Yes. Uh, there's about seven examples in the same time period. There were some before, some after the Ukraine uh, debacle began. Um, about half of them before that were in the same situation, but no one cares about that because there wasn't a vice president's son involved. And then you hear these things from Shifty Shift saying that if we don't give Ukraine money, then we'll be fighting Russia here in the States than there in Ukraine. I thought to myself, is there a, a, like a Red Dawn 3 that I don't know of <laughs> that's about to happen, that they're trying to figure this out? I don't understand where, he must have some kind of much higher level clearance than all of us do in, the, in, in DC that but he you don't thinks. Know that? I didn't know that. I didn't, I didn't read up on it on my morning briefings. So it's, it's fascinating to see where this is going. It's fascinating to see what's going to happen. And I think this boils down to the fact that no one is paying attention. And if anything, the, the primaries are having more of an impact and more sway than anything else. So I don't know where Johnny wants to go in regards to, uh, to moving forward. But do you have anything else to say about impeachment? Because I don't. I think, but I will say this. I will say we have maybe two or three more days of impeachment conversation, and then as soon as Friday, there might be a vote. 
in regards to I hope when. so. <laughs> I, I've gotten so, like, if you haven't noticed, I'm on this show, I'm part of this group. I love politics. I've gotten so incredibly bored with the impeachment thing. <laughs> I, I had to bite bite down and study for the last two days. I didn't, know, I didn't know where that was going. For, <laughs> for, the, for the show. Um, anyway. <laughs> Despite my lack of interest, uh, I'll say one more thing about the second leg of uh, Trump's defense, and that's been on procedural errors. Yes. Um, So one of the procedural errors was the entire House is supposed to vote to give a committee the power to subpoena. That was not done. That is why Donald Trump's defense did not respond to most of the subpoenas. The subpoenas that were... Uh, that were given, even though they were given outside of procedure, they were being appealed in the court, and they didn't want to wait for the, the subpoenas to be appealed. So, again, it was a move. They, they wanted to get it done before Christmas. It, did, it got done before Christmas, but they completely forgot to actually subpoena anyone, which is undermining their, their, their against Congress when it comes to their impeachment requests. So, well, I don't again, think they forgot as much as, you know, they, they were afraid of what might have come out of these subpoenas. You know, and especially when certain individuals who they thought would side with the president all of a sudden were very willing to come in and be subpoenaed. I think that's when they got real scared. It's a and trap. they were like, and nothing, yeah, it's a trap. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, and again, a, any good attorney, I, and I'm no attorney, but any good attorney will tell you, you know, you don't ask the questions that you don't know the answers to. And I think they were afraid of what they were going to get if they did subpoena these guys. I'm going to say this right now Bolton is a trap. I don't care what anyone says, it is a trap. Oh, absolutely. He is selling books. He wants to make sure what, what it went on sale today. Yeah, just so happened the <laughs> the book that was being revised by the White House was leaked yesterday and it oh, happened yeah. to go on sale on Amazon this morning at two o'clock AM. I will say this again. Every time the Democrats have tried to bring someone on board to testify, if it was the Russia gate or if it was the the uh, special counsel, they always gave someone else the responsibility of bringing down Trump, and it never worked. If anything, it bolstered. We realized what was happening. And so they think they're going to bring in uh, um, John um, Bolton to come in and actually speak. It's going to be a disaster. He's a very intelligent man. He knows for a fact this is the only time he can sell books in this kind of regard. So he's going to do what he can do. I don't have a, again, I don't have a problem with him being a capitalist and making money where he needs to get made. But at the end of the day, if Democrats think bringing him on board is going to cause is not is going to bring down the president, that's not going to happen. This is not Watergate. And if the moment we bring we bring in Hunter Biden to talk about why he was sitting on countless boards just because of his father's last name, he was on Amtrak, he was on Boeing, he yeah. was on he was in he was doing deals in Europe all the time. He was on the these plane. Paid board positions. He was, these are paid board board positions. Yeah. Not like boards in Tampa where you don't get paid, but you do what you got to do which, to have a good time. Which again, given his access to the president and the vice president, is a huge conflict of interest. And how Republicans never managed to seize on that uh, again still blows me away. Well, you had an issue where um, the vice president's son had just passed away, so that was already one big deal when the revelations were happening. But then you have sworn testimony that people with inside the Obama administration were concerned about Hunter Biden and it blowing up in their face when it came to the twenty uh, the midterms. Uh, I think 2014, uh, yeah, 20, 2014. Yes. So there is already something there. So if they do, they're talking about doing a one-to-one witness deal, either with, with Hunter Biden 
or the, the whistleblower for John um, Bolton. Again, we don't even hear about the whistleblower anymore because it doesn't matter. That, that is so far in the past. The waters have gotten so muddy. Oh. There's so many things that have been forgotten, so many things that have been brought up and then brushed aside because it didn't work out the way uh, the originators of the charges intended. Um, but yeah, like you were saying, in 2014, I actually found yesterday when I was doing some, some, show, some show notes, uh, a photograph of <laughs> Joe Biden with Hunter Biden and one of the Burisma other board members Ugh. in 2014. Because they never talked about it. This surfaced, <laughs> this surfaced after uh, the claim was made by Biden that he never knew of his son's activities in Ukraine. Please, please, please. You're fu- and this was this is weeks after let's, Biden was given the, the reins of Ukraine uh, policy. Let's move on. I don't think there's yeah, anything. There's no need to talk about any further of this because we know how corrupt this whole situation is. And at the end of the day, I think they're talking more to their bases than anything else. He'll be acqui- if there is a vote on Friday, it might be more acquittal than because I don't think they're going to agree for witnesses honestly because they don't want to bring it up. They'll do one at a time, and the Republicans will never do it because yeah. Republicans get screwed every time you give the Democrats even an inch. Don't give them anything. Do the, if you can do one-to-one at the same time, do it. But if you can't, forget about it. All right, let's apologize to this horse. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, again, I think we, uh, well, again, I'm not going to reiterate what the, the metaphor just said, but uh, certainly uh, we'll see. Hopefully they'll bring this to a close. I don't think uh, really no true winners uh, out of this other than the fact that I don't think it's going to have the impact on the election the Democrats uh, thought it would. All right, moving on to the next topic. Of course, the Democratic primary uh, poll numbers continue to come out that, uh, you know, that are really shuffling the field now, of course. You know, now that Bloomberg's been in the race for a little while, him spending millions of dollars already in advertising. Hundreds of millions. Yeah, I Have mean. these yet? Billions? No, we're, we haven't heard of billions. Okay. I think it's almost 100. You know, we're seeing some campaigns pull some desperate moves. Elizabeth Warren accusing Bernie Sanders of lying, of, of saying that she could never win the nomination or the presidency and then of course Tulsi Gabbard now coming out this past week with a defamatory um, uh, defamation lawsuit against Hillary Clinton for calling her a Russian asset um, on more so on the Tulsi Gabbard thing you know and, and Jake is a big fan of hers and I you know I like her as well um, I don't I would hope this would move the needle for her and I think that's what they were trying to do but I don't think that's gonna happen right I don't at the moment I don't think uh, Tulsi has a legitimate path whatsoever into uh, into after Super Tuesday. I feel that this was a move that needed to get made because these um, these po- old politicians and news anchors will constantly make these horrible comments and deflammatory comments and no one has the backing to be able to sue them and Tulsi has the backing she has the money she should do it she has it and she should give them a black eye at the end of the day this is what that's because then CNN or some of the other um, news outlets are going to have to either put up some money or apologize and either way it's going to be bad for the for the agencies when it comes to Hillary Clinton I mean let the bag keep on singing all I can say <laughs> is honestly I, I I can't wait for another video to come on her collapsing because she doesn't have the energy to ever walk the yeah. way she is is that book tour over yet I had a no idea what's going on. I think no, I mean, look, the woods of Chappaqua right now as we speak. <laughs> I mean, for us, she's still the president. <laughs> for us Republicans, I mean, she's truly the gift that keeps on giving, and I think it really 
I think a lot of people got in her ear after the whole Russian asset comment. And they said, look, just stay out of this. Keep your mouth shut. Um, you know, get out of the way. Uh, and and again, we, we see that Warren and Sanders are going to keep going head to head. The only person making any big moves is Bloomberg. And then Yang is actually starting to see some momentum. Um, but again, I think it's going to be, uh, you know, too little, too late for Yang. Um, Bloomberg, do you, I mean, I... I mean, I'd hate to say it, but I, I mean, do you guys really think that he is going to have a shot at this nomination, or, or is he just burning money? So no. right, right now he's burning money, and I think he has to burn money because his fight is for Super Tuesday. Well, his let's fight, not forget he was just here in Tampa, too. Yeah, and we saw pictures of everyone that attended, and we'll be making comments later on into your, your Facebook post because we know who attended, <laughs> and there's a list. But I will say this, that nationally, Bloomberg is doing great. Locally, however, I don't think he's making much strive in regards to the first few primary states. Because if, if you can pull support from where he's pulling, he's pulling the, the, the Budachev votes and the Klobuchar and maybe even the Warren votes a little, and maybe even the, 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 the Biden votes. But right now, nationally, Biden is still up there at 26%. Sanders at 23 and Bloomberg at 13 which I think is the craziest thing, that he's leapfrogged um, Klobuchar, Budachev, and Warren to be in third place at... Uh, yeah, to be at third place with 13%, we're worn at thir at 10%, which is crazy to see how it's not crazy. It's what happens when you when you put when you pump in 100 million dollars into a campaign for a national. He's not playing to the local, he's playing to the national. Well, who he is though is not going to fly with the Democratic Party. He is for a percentage of them they fly. He is left-wing Donald Trump. He <laughs> <laughs> He is. He, he's a New York billionaire. He makes tons of money and that I mean the core idea of Income equality, the core idea of you don't deserve what you've earned in that aspect is not going to fly for very long. You can get 25% maybe, but you're not getting the, I, the primary. With, with I, want, I want Bloomberg to keep on rising in the polls because that will show the, the civil war happening in the Democratic Party now. You have people like AOC and the rest of the squad saying that there are no moderate Democrats, that there are no centrist Democrats, that you have to be left, far left, or you're not considered a Democrat anymore. I wait, 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 to that play. point, to that point, did you hear that garbage of her trying to say that the Democratic Party is actually center conservative? Right. Yeah, yes. conservative, center right. On what oh. planet? On what planet is this? Maybe in, maybe in France. This is also the woman that doesn't understand the concept of unemployment, saying that the reason why our unemployment number is because we are working two to three to four jobs. No, honey, that's not how unemployment is calculated in this country. But God forbid someone tell a woman that was serving drinks less than 24 months ago how to actually read a chart in regards to... Uh, and she's like an economic major. Did she actually print that out on the internet? I, I mean, don't Where know. did she get that from? I want to see if she made that at Kinko's, honestly. <laughs> So that's what's happening now. CNN has become a joke. War, um, uh, Elizabeth Warren literally stabbed Bernie Sanders in the face at the last, uh, at the last um, debate. So we're seeing this happen all over um, the field right now with the Democrats fighting amongst each, each other. And it needs to happen. If they don't coalesce around someone, it's going to be a disaster. It's a bad look right now, San though. San um, uh, Sanders and Warren people are not going to vote for Joe Biden, and Joe Biden people are not going to vote for the far left. And again, I'm happy to sit back and watch and see what happens, because I would love to see us regain the House and take more property in the Senate, and the President win uh, the popular vote. I mean, what's most amusing to me is also the fact that, uh, you know, we had Castro drop out, we had Booker drop out. These guys have all gotten behind their respective candidates. I think Castro went for Warren, right? 
Yes. Um, uh, did Booker announce his endorsement yet? Booker hasn't said who he's going to announce. Okay. Yet. But he, you know, regardless, these people have dropped out and uh, and and have made zero to no impact on the other cam on the other campaigns. I mean, it goes to show like just how how diluted this field really is. And uh, and honestly, I mean, it, it's it's. I say Bernie takes the nomination despite the DNC's, uh, you know, wishes. Um, of, of course, they're still gunning for Joe Biden, and I think that part of this, you know, fiasco with the, the impeachment is somewhat of a strategy to keep Joe out as frontrunner. But the polls are starting to turn on on Biden, and we're going to start seeing more and more polls show Sanders as a frontrunner. The country is not going to vote for a socialist, so at the end of the day, that's not going to happen. But you have to be very concerned to see where the Democrat Party is heading. Again, this country has been a two-party system for a, little, a really long time. To see a third party emerge out of the Democrat Party, it'll take one or two cycles for them to recoalesce themselves. So we could see a Republican candidate for the next two or three terms when it comes to cycles of presidency, which I wouldn't mind for that either. But we always have to be careful. Again, we were out of again. We as Republicans were out of part out of power to two and a half, three cycles ago. So we understand the concept of it, but we were able to pull ourselves back together, even when we had the internal strife, internal fighting within, with the Tea Party, with the Republicans. But can the Democrats do the same thing with their far left party? I don't know. I don't think they can. Yeah. Uh, do me a quick favor, if you don't mind, pull the mic just a little bit closer towards the middle, and there you go. All right, so thank you again for watching The Yard Sign, coming to you live from the Barrymore Hotel, where the Tampa Bay Young Republicans will be having not only their monthly, but their annual meeting, uh, which means they'll be having elections today. They also have Carrie Poach, Porch? Porch. Porch. Uh, Porch. You know, so CNN whistleblower from Project Veritas. He's going to be the keynote speaker. So it's going to be an exciting night here in downtown Tampa. And uh, we appreciate the Barrymore. Uh, they are a, a great benefactor of the Young Republicans, allowing them to meet here on a monthly basis uh, at no cost. So we appreciate their support. They have superb quality coffee as well. There you go. <laughs> That's quite an endorsement. They serve very good drinks. I'm not going to lie. It's a heavy pour. <laughs> so I'm enjoying it all the time. And then, uh, all right, let's go ahead and continue to. <laughs> On the list of uh, uh, of topics, and uh, maybe not a great one following the coffee statement, but uh, the coronavirus outbreak <laughs> happening in China just uh, seems to continue to get out of hand. Apparently, they are uh, the the government as uh, is able to do in China building. Uh, hospitals i mean literally uh what's seemingly overnight you know just to address this virus um you know of course they pretty much canceled all festivities around chinese new year uh now there's even concerns you know i have family in colombia and they were telling me apparently they had made a, a deal with the chinese government to build some infrastructure some bridges over in colombia uh, and now the colombian government is assessing whether they should put those projects on hold um, as to not bring over those Chinese workers uh, and, and vendors uh, here and, and possibly bringing that virus uh, to South America as well. And, you know, there's been a couple outbreaks here in the United States. Um, I think we have to be very careful when we say outbreaks. So, come well, on, it's a huge outbreak. It's, it's not, okay. Let's in China, do, it's a huge outbreak. Well, in China, it's the epidemic. Of right. the outbreak, but when you say U.S. outbreaks, you have to be very careful. So let's, cases, all right. Let's go through let's this. Let's go through this real quick. About eighty-one people have passed have passed because of the coronavirus. Uh, about three thousand um, Chinese and uh, other world citizens have been confirmed having the disease, and it's up to eight and up to thirty thousand are currently quarantined to to see if they will develop symptoms 
from the coronavirus. It's something that's uh, currently in, there are cases in eight to 10 countries with 20 countries currently being reviewed to see if their people that are under quarantine will actually get the um, full symptoms and then get um, classified as the coronavirus. It's something that's causing a huge panic within the Chinese, po the Chinese population. At the moment, over 60 million people are quarantined. It is the largest human purposely quarantined um, event in human history. We have uh, additional information coming out that it could be up to 90,000 people that actually have the coronavirus in the Wuhan, Wuhan province, in the Wuhan city, which is a huge thoroughfare for the, the rest of mid-China. Uh, at the moment, they're considering this to drop the GDP of China by at least half in regards to it. This is their, we just passed their form of Thanksgiving and Christmas at the same time. So it's a huge economic blow for them. And as Johnny said earlier, a lot of countries around the world are rethinking their project uh, details because of what's happening in what's yeah, happening in China, which you, is something that not many people understand. They think China is increasing uh, economic development output around the, the world when really they're just shipping in their own workers to work as slaves to build these large projects. Well, and this is what actually I, I explained to my family members as well, is that what a lot of these countries aren't realizing is that the Chinese government comes in and says, hey, we'll go ahead and you don't have to give us any money up front. We don't have to, you know, um, you know just go ahead and, and once the project's done, you can start paying us back for these bridges, roads, whatever the project might be. And then when these countries struggle to make these payments uh, based on whatever deal they brokered, now the Chinese government actually owns that infrastructure. And this is a way of them starting to seep themselves into other countries around the world. And this is uh, a huge problem in Africa. Uh, and, and as we can see now, it's becoming a huge problem in South America. And these governments think that they're getting a great deal because the Chinese government is fronting them these infrastructure projects at little or no cost. Uh, meanwhile, this is really uh, how they are seeping themselves into, uh, into working with foreign governments around the world. The Brits did the same thing. Um, the canals were a pretty big deal. The Suez Canal was, was something that the Brits thought they owned for the longest time, and Egypt just decided to take it from them. I think a lot of other countries around the world will do the same thing when it comes to China and their fake infrastructure. I mean, they can't even build. They're saying they're going to build three hospitals in six days. Do I think they're going to do it? Yes. Do I think it's going to collapse? Yes. So we'll see what happens in that. I will say this, though. The CDC does say that uh, there's 110 cases currently under investigation in 26 states with only three of those cases being confirmed as the coronavirus. Wouldn't it suck if you own Corona beer? Oh. Like, it, it, Maybe it'll sell it. <laughs> I, think, I think this has been a plus for the Corona brand. Do you really think it's brand. been a plus for Corona? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about it. It's all, it's all, it's all over the news. Uh, and again, especially on a weekend like Gasparilla like we just had, I mean, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, it's Tampa subliminal. Bay. It's subliminal in messaging. In the Tampa Bay area, did I drink a few Coronas? Yes. Did I wear a face mask? Yes, but that's because the day, like the hour after Gasparilla started, it smelled horrible off on Bayshore. Yeah, but so, again, it's subliminal messaging. Again, you know, people are saying, okay, well, this thing's not going to affect me. Uh, but meanwhile, all of a sudden, man, I'm really thirsty. <laughs> I will say as an amateur epidemiologist. Oh, uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> uh, the way we handle certified things like this. Certified by Facebook. <laughs> certified by Facebook, yes. Uh, the way we handle things like this in the U.S. is much different from how they handle in China. Our conditions are much better. We don't have the same kind of crowded atmosphere in the entirety of our, our, our populace like China has. Um, and also, this thing became news, what, four days ago? Think about incubation periods. This thing spread because these 
it was spread before anyone knew what it was. So now that we know what it is, we can do a lot more control. The it. World Health Organization estimated that five million people were traveling in and out of the Wuhan area before it was quarantined. So this could blow up hugely in front of China if, they, if it really wants to get to that point. China lies to its people. This is now another thing that China has lied to its people for. Do I think they're going to blow up in regards to the population if it gets even worse? Yes, I think this is, could become a tipping point for the Chinese people. They are re if you go on the Chinese version of Twitter, they are pissed. And they're upset that the Chinese, the Chinese leaders lied to them and didn't tell them about this beforehand. So it's something that I think is growing. I would love to see what happens. Americans really don't care. At the end of the day, it is a news. It is on the news. People are really concerned about it overseas. We have about a thousand really U.S. citizens in the Wuhan area that are, are, and people are figuring out how they're going to get back to the states. Because I'd rather have them here than there for medical treatment. But let's see what happens. Honestly, I, I, I don't want to say that I don't care because I do. I watched. Contagion over the weekend, just so that I could be informed of what really happened. You got your prep, your prep I did. stash I ready. Did. I got all my, my wife basically went out and I like bought stuff. Like if we were gonna go through another hurricane, so I guess we're ready for a contagion. We have our masks, garbage bags, tape. Yeah, okay. we were drawing like pirate costumes on the mask though. So I don't know. We might have a problem. Festivity we, and safety. We're same not time. taking this extremely seriously. <laughs> we'll see what happens with China. As as long as the dead do not reanimate, I think we're fine. That's the only concern. As long as there's no reanimation of bodies, we're fine. Cheers to that. Yeah, The Walking Dead was supposed to be a TV show, not an instruction manual. <laughs> um, but I'm sure, especially on our side of the aisle, I think there's a lot of people who would welcome a zombie outbreak just uh, just so they have some use for all those weapons they have stored away. Oh, God, you're making this sound bad. <laughs> sounds horrible. <laughs> it's true. Come on, oh, man. We'll all be on the roof of the Barrymore. And That's we'll right. We'll have plenty of uh, aiming practice for that part. All right, we're going to keep this train moving along as we get closer, about 30 minutes away from the start of the Tampa Bay Young Republicans meeting here uh, downtown Tampa at the Barrymore Hotel. Um, we've got the National March for Life, you know, which again, last year made a lot of news uh, when uh, the young man, you know, and had that uh, kind of standoff, if you will, between, uh, you know, his group of uh, high school students and, and this uh, kind of Native American no, the black gentleman. Hebrews. And well, the black Hebrews were, were the ones that really instigated the whole thing. But the main focus ended up being this Native American gentleman and the young kid who got into kind of this this standoff and and of course and how everybody misinterpreted that whole situation uh, and then uh, eventually leading to CNN having to do a big settlement uh, and giving this kid a nice fat check for basically defaming him uh, on international television. Uh, this year, uh, the big news being that uh, President Trump. And again, I've said you know you you can you know. You can question easily, you know, whether or not his religious beliefs are what they say they are, but he is the first president uh, to ever attend the National March for Life. And I think that's a huge deal, especially in an election year. I think it's going to play really well to the Republican base. Um, you know, uh, do, you, do you think he's going to get credit for it? Do you think this helps move the needle more so in his direction or just, just reinforces the people that were all gonna, already going to vote for him? I thought it was a great speech. It was only 13 minutes long. This year's March for Life... Which is really short for him. I know, very short. Short. There was about 100,000 people that attended this year's March for Life. You didn't see it on any of the main television networks at all. You only saw it on Fox News, and even then they were talking about impeachment at the end of the day. You didn't see it on CNN. I didn't see any blurbs whatsoever. 
at all, which really upset me because they talked, they did a full-on coverage for like the Women's March and all these other ones, but the moment you talk about pro-life, it just goes to black. But luckily, we have other news outlets and local news outlets and, and podcasts that talk about this. Podcasts. I know, I love podcasts. 100,000 people attended. It was a huge rally for pro-life, and the spectrum of people that were there was, was pretty immense. Uh, if you ever want to see the time lapse of the march, it's pretty incredible to see how many people actually showed up and attended. I think this benefits the president. I think it benefits everyone that attended. I think it benefits the Republican Party. And it's a, it's shoring up that that part of the party for President Trump. Well, this is the thing, you know, because, of course, people are posting, oh, hey, uh, the mainstream media isn't covering this. And, and I think what a lot of people mean by it is this, right? Did is, is, Can you go to NBC News and find something on the fact that the president spoke at this rally? Yes. yes. You're going to find a story, probably three, four paragraphs long, talking about, you know, what he said, the fact that he was there. But the fact is, is that when you have this women's march, when you have similar marches that happen throughout the year, all of a sudden, somehow these networks feel that it's newsworthy enough to go uh, go head to head, you know, go, uh, I mean, just nonstop, no commercial breaks, broadcasting of these marches. Uh, and yet here's a march of similar statue, of similar attendance, uh, and, you know, they'll just put it as a blurb up on their website. And I think that's what's frustrating to a lot of conservatives. So politically, I don't care what happens from, <laughs> from this. Uh, I think that it's good attention for the March for Life. I think it's a good uh, set of bringing eyes to the, uh, the pro-life movement. I know it's a subject that requires a lot of uh, careful treading, and uh, I'm glad he made an appearance there. Um, if nothing else, it, it, brings, it brings the focus back to the March for Life, or back to the, the pro-life argument. Which you wouldn't have thought when you read the media outlets, because they were saying that this was just one big Trump rally. And if it was, it's one of the biggest rallies we've had since. But I, I, they keep <laughs> on pivoting to try to make it just all about Trump, when it's not. It's about the pro-life and the pro-life movement and the, the multiple avenues of what that looks like. Because if you talk to anyone that was at the rally, they don't believe in... It, they don't go to the extremes that some um, Democrats say that Republicans are. Well, we, do, we don't want any rights and don't want any kind of abortions. There's just so many layers to that argument that people don't give it credit to because they think everything is a zero-sum game when it comes to Democrats. I really hope it, it, it brings people to do more studying about what the pro-life movement means, the science behind our beliefs, the philosophy behind our beliefs. Donald Trump is not a philosopher. Donald Trump's not a physician. He doesn't he didn't go into this kind of depth or breadth. You, you can't do that in a 12-minute conversation. You can spend dozens of hours on just the science behind why we, we think that, you know, uh, let's say a 24- or, you know, 20-week-old fetus, uh, feels you know, pain. Yeah, feels pain, uh, has some sense of what's going on around it. Um, that's part of my belief system. Anyway, if you don't believe that, I, I hope that this maybe invites people to think more deeply about that. If you don't believe it, I shouldn't have to pay for it. Like, like we, can, we can play around with this a lot if we wanted to, but I will say this. Do I think the president is, they keep on questioning his, him being religious or why he's in this position. At the end of the day, no other president went up there. And so like the, from Democrats and Republicans, no, no president has ever done it. Hey, it's Johnny Torres. Unfortunately, due to technical difficulties at the venue, we had to cut this episode short. But we do appreciate you listening. We hope you check out the next episode. And as always, thank you for listening, watching The Yard Sign.